Welcome to Real Native Roots, Untold Stories, a podcast by a Native woman with deep roots. Ya'at'e, good day, good rising. I hope you are all well. I am super excited about today, um, the month. You know, we're celebrating women, women in history, uh, leadership of women, so much to celebrate. And I have been looking forward to this day because last year when I started this journey, I actually it was 2019. I was thinking, oh, who could I have on my on my show? What would be great? You know, I was really visioning then. And I remember telling myself in, in writing, oh my goodness, it would be amazing to have these three women on my show talking and just giggling and just sharing. And here we are. It happened. I cannot believe it. So I'm just so delighted to uh, share with you all about these three amazing women. In my humble opinion, they, they are what we would say OG. In my definition of that is original goddesses. <laughs> there are a lot of young women out there who are like, you know, I'm I'm the, you know, native goddess or, you know, I'm like, yeah, these women are, are original in the sense of they really paved the way for a lot of women such as myself. And I owe a lot to these women because they have um, helped me in my career. They have helped me in uh, the work that I'm doing. And I, I just have so much gratitude and um, for them. And I will, I'm going to introduce to you all, and I usually tell you all how I met them. So I don't want to have this too long about me, but I do want you to know how it all happened. So the first person I'm going to introduce, she actually um, was the person who gave me a chance. <laughs> She rolled the dice and said, um, you know, we're going to, we would love for you to come and do some training. And I said, sure. And at the time I was home um, with my first child and long story short, she flew me out to Virginia and I did some training for the staff. And I remember we we're in the side room. It was the end of the day. She was like, it was great. Well, how much do I owe you? And I just said, I don't know, whatever you think it was worth, because I had no clue about being an entrepreneurial at the time. And the rest was history, and it took off. And then later on, fast forward, I, I um, get recruited by this amazing woman who I just like bow down to. And I was like, this is an opportunity of a lifetime. I want to be mentored by her. I want to know everything that she knows. And um, long story short, worked with her, and then she gets swooped off. <laughs> by one of our leaders and, you know, we've always stayed connected and continue to do work in different spaces. And then the third woman I'm going to introduce, um, the first woman introduced me to her. So it's just so interesting how it all is connected. And she brought me into the space and uh, meeting this amazing woman and, and to do some work with her, an organization. And I will have to say what I appreciate about this third woman is how she brought me back to myself. I say that with, with humbleness and also just almost tears of joy in that she brought me back to myself in knowing the beautifulness and art that I have within me. I never thought I would say that I'm an artist, but I'm an artist in different ways. And she really helped me to reconnect and just see the beauty of grounding of um, our culture. So the first woman I want to introduce is Sherry Sowey Black. Amazing woman, 
graceful in every which way you can believe, um, but also a pioneer. She's done so much work on the national level, um, on the ground with community people, um, advocacy work, a connector in um, CFI work, you name it, she's done it all. And she sits on many boards and continues to move and shake things. Um, my second guest is Elsie Meeks. As I mentioned to you, I had the privilege of working directly under her. And she is, I, I love what she says. She's, I'm a cowgirl, but she's a cowgirl that can really just move and shake things. And she's sort of the, I would say, the queen of like native CDFI. She understands CDFI and um, is aware of that, sits on numerous boards, um, continues to um, be an advocate for Indian country and CDFIs across are, are um, in the industry here. And then the third woman that I had mentioned um, is Lori Poyer, and a, a social justice movement person, person who works with Native artists, is uh, redefining and recreating a narrative in terms of art and how that all plays. Um, so these women, I mean, I could say much, much more about them. They all are amazing. They're all from South Dakota. <laughs> and so I want to say... Ladies, thank you so much for being here. As you know, this month um, is in recognition of women, women in leadership. And I couldn't have, you know, identified the right women for this month and we're ending it. So I thought we end this month with a bam. <laughs> so, you know, I'm curious about um, maybe what we can do is if we can um, have you all start off just quickly introducing yourself a little bit, you know, your roots, um, your people, and, and, and maybe lifting a woman um, in your past who has really help you and um, and grounded you in that way. So whoever would like to start us off, that would be wonderful. So I'll start this. This is Sherry. Um, Vicki, first of all, I would just want to say what an honor it is to be here with you and with Elsie and with Lori. It's um, well, friendships that were formed, you know, 40, 40 years ago almost. So uh, Anyway, I'm thrilled to, to do that, but thank you for sharing, you know, sort of how, how we met, too. But um, so I am originally from South Dakota. I didn't grow up there. Um, I, my family left um, Pine Ridge a um, number of times. They would go back and forth to Pennsylvania from where my mom was from. And, um, and then I came back to South Dakota when I graduated from college and spent, you know, a small amount of time here. And um, uh, then went to Washington, D.C. And, and started doing work there. My background's in health. I went to the Indian Health Service for a number of years and, um, you know, got my master's degree. But I wasn't happy with the Indian Health Service primarily because I felt like we were always saying, you know, um, what tribes couldn't do. And you know, my experience was to um, want to help tribes do what they wanted to do. And I think that's been sort of the guiding post for my career, which is helping people try to do what they want to do um, and what they think they can do and what they think they need. And I think that was really important. And that's how I met um, Lori and Elsie. I left the Indian Health Service when I went to work with First Nations Financial Project at the time in 1985 and met Lori, who was already working there and, uh, you know, helping to uh, 
um, start the First Nations arts effort. And then I met Elsie. That was in 1985. I met Elsie in 1986. Uh, one of the projects that we very first started working on was the Lakota Fund on, on Pine Ridge. And so I went back in October 1985, um, started doing some work then. And Elsie was the first person we that was hired for the Lakota Fund in 1986. And and so the three of us have worked together in so many different um, capacities over that time period. And, and um, yeah, so I, you know, I think, and we, I met you, you were saying, in because uh, I think that's an important part of the story, in the probably the mid-1990s. I was trying to narrow down a, a time period, but we, we also worked on um, the building financial capabilities, or is that what it been? Building financial, building financial communities, building, yeah. Anyway, it was on the financial literacy curriculum, which again was just is such an important piece of the work that all of us do and have done was helping to build the, the capacity with Native uh, people. So I'll stop then. Beautiful. Thank you, Sherry. Elsie? Well, thank you. Vicki, and, uh, you know, the, we, we, I think we're just being recorded, but it's so great to see all the faces of my favorite people, the people that I just admire and, you know, I've learned so much from. And, and so I'm from Pine Ridge here and, um, you know, went to a Catholic school till I was on Pine Ridge here, Our Lady of Lords, until I was in the seventh grade. And then we moved to Hot Springs and we moved to number of other places but you know my heart is always right here and so I moved back here in about 1979 and um and you know as I was getting my feet on the ground I mean and I say that because my life was really chaotic to that point and you know I was kind of messed up and then I you know I I learned who my God was and that he had a good plan for me. And I started praying about what I could do that was positive, both for me and for my community. And about that time, Lakota Fund, First Nations was helping us to develop this whole reservation to organize and figure out what might be a really good step of for economic development. And um, so I remember thinking, I'd really like to find out about that. And then the organizers had invited my husband to be on a committee. And uh, anyway, I, he wasn't that interested. And so I showed up, but of course they asked him first if that was all right. <laughs> that is the truth too i'm sure this will get edited out <laughs> no i think it's good thank you i don't remember that <laughs> this is good stuff elsie i do chuck chuck wanted to make sure it was okay with jim because you know they had asked jim to oh be it was chuck who did it <laughs> yes yeah but anyway, i can see that um, now that's really that's really going back a long time. So um, anyway, so I just started going to the meetings and 
you know, no idea, no idea what was going to happen, but just sort of kind of going by, by feel. And like, that's what I wanted. You know, I wanted to be a part of something that was positive. And so long story short, we met, we uh, started organizing. I thought, well, I could maybe help out. And so they hired me as, I don't know what, toilet cleaner and office <laughs> manager, it was called. <laughs> and we set up an office and, um, oh, and so many stories through that. I mean, just so many. Um, and I want to go to when, though, too, when I first met Vicki. And this was fast forwarded to about year 2000 or 2001. Is that right? And the Federal Reserve could have been before that. Federal Reserve in D.C. asked us to come uh, present. And that is the first time I met Vicki. And Vicki was so nervous. <laughs> I thought she was going to pass out. <laughs> and... I'm like, no, no. I mean, because I remember where I came from. I mean, I knew absolutely nothing except that I could probably learn. And, oh, through so many, through, you know, and I have Becky, Rebecca Adamson, Sherry. I mean, they really just, I, I remember while well, I was office manager, whatever that meant. And I set up the office of Lakota Funds in Kyle and, then there was the technical assistance provider job that came open. And I remember Becky asking me, why didn't I apply? And I just was so unsure. And I said, what if you guys just think I'm smart and that I'm just fake? <laughs> <laughs> and she, she said, Elsie, we all fake it. None of us have the answers. And, you know, I sort of went on that forever. Today, to two today, still faking it. So I'll, and Lori, I met her on DC and she was working for First Nations and I was just in awe that this young girl would leave home and go to DC and work there. I was just like, I would never do that in a hundred years. So anyway, thank you to all of you and I'll stop there. <laughs> Lori. Oh, thank you, Plamaya. Um, I want to speak in my language. I'm a language learner, and I'm in my second year, and I'm being taught currently by um, a very young woman, Sierra um, Concha, and her mother is Tashina Banks, <clears throat> and they both work at Red Clouds. So um, I want to lift them up for keeping me on, on track here and regrounding at home is my language. Um, so, Ea, Le Mitakiapi, Dona Yahipi, Iuha Chante Washtea Nape Chiusapi, Kisto, Asichua, Lori, Imachiapi, Na, Naha, Lako, Michajiki, Makasi Tomi Omaniwi, Imachiapi. I'm Lori and I'm Oglala, Lakota. I was born and raised um, same community Sherry's family's from, and her uncle just lived right down the hill below me at one point. Um, and um, my father is from the Porcupine um, District area, and um, Elsie was just down the road. And 
I guess I'll just say I'm just humbled to be asked to join Elsie and um, Sherry and grateful that I have Vicki in my life, um, who's really helped guide the work as well with First People's Fund. And I started working with Elsie and Sherry around the Lakota funds, the founding of the Lakota funds. And as Sherry said, I um, came to uh, First Nations financial project at the time. Um, I don't even remember where we were living or where I was, but um, I got a, my mother was part of the Indian controlled school um, movement and work in Maryland, uh, Sherman Puyer, and she met Rebecca Adamson there. Um, so I imagine I got summoned over there through <laughs> through uh, Rebecca talking to Sherry and just had, you know, I, I attribute everything in my young years of, I think Sherry said 40 years, but Sherry, I don't think it's 40 years. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was me, 40 years, not the rest okay. of you. <laughs> I was like, okay, I think mine is closer to 30 years. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I met... Uh, Rebecca had asked me to come work out there. And um, Vicki, believe it or not, my first work was in your community with Sherry. And I traveled down to Navajo Nation. And my first work was with the Raymond Navajo Weavers. And we would go down almost monthly with Sherry and the Ms. Foundation for Women and worked in the Raymond Navajo community. So I know so much about your beautiful art and weavers and grandmothers. And I would sit with for hours with those women just fluent in their language you know and they would patiently sit there and uh, we were trying to teach them about marketing and business concepts and cooperatives and um just some amazing amazing women we got to um meet and work with I think the average age was 60 then of the weavers so I will stop there I'm honored to be here and I'm just going to listen to Sherry and uh, Elsie and I'll roll with them. <laughs> I don't think they're going to allow you to do that, Lori. <laughs> Thank you so much for all introducing yourself. So I actually wanted to, I was curious, there are a couple of things that, um, one thing that you said, Sherry, and also Elsie, but let's start with, um, I I really appreciate it, Sherry, when you had said, um, I wanted to flip, well, you didn't say flip the script, but that's how I I interpreted it, like flip the script and how folks are talking about our own community. And you had said, you know, tribes have always said, you know, we can't, we can't do this. And so you flip the script. So, you know, you have to be in a different mindset or have learned or been influenced to be, you know, wanting to push the narrative. And so what made you think about that and wanting to change the thinking in, in the communities um, that you started to work with or were working with at the time? And how's that still applicable now? Well, I think it's really interesting. I was just thought of something, you know, when I first came to Washington, D.C., and that's the 40 years ago, is I worked for the American Indian Policy Review Commission, which was a two-year congressional commission to study Native issues. And the people I worked with were the activists from the field. You know, it was not the federal government. It was the people from the communities who came in and staffed this commission to try to really figure out what was needed in Indian country. And then my background is in health. So I went from there to the Indian Health Service and what um, and met amazing people who were mentors um, with me. However, 
I learned very quickly was that the Indian Health Service and the Bureau of Indian Affairs um, didn't really work for the tribes. They worked for the federal government. And so their view of working with tribes was very different from that perspective. Um, and so I just felt like, you know, it was the very first, it was Public Law 93-638 was passed, Indian Self-Determination, where tribes were to take start taking over things or taking things back from the federal government. And it seemed like oftentimes it wasn't Indian Health Service, but the agents, agencies above it said, um, no, we can't have the tribes doing that. We can't have the, you know, and it was like, come on, you know, <laughs> you're supposed to, this is, they're going to take it over and how can we help them do it? And so um, I wanted to mention a few things about Rebecca Adamson. So I, after I got my, my master's degree and came back and it was paid for by the Indian Health Service. So I owed them service and I stayed for three years and, and worked for the Indian Health Service. And then through a mutual friend, um, he was a friend of Rebecca's and he was a friend of mine, we got to meet each other. And I went for um, an interview with this little, little, tiny, little nonprofit. <laughs> and my father will never would never let me live this down, but I left a secure federal government job to go work for this tiny little nonprofit. But it was because I wanted to be able to say yes to Native people. Yes, you can do that. Let's figure out how to do it. You know, I didn't, obviously, I didn't have all the answers and, and people in the community might need some expertise in a particular area, but they had what they wanted to do. And it was our role to be, to help them figure out how to do it. Um, and we all went down this road together. And so I, you know, I want to um, commend, and, and Elsie mentioned her, Rebecca Adamson, when you asked about women that we, you know, um, learned from and, and were mentored by. I think all of us, you know, had that with, with Rebecca as well. And, um, you know, she gave some really good advice in the sense that there is, quiet leadership in the communities. There are brilliant people in the communities. You just got to figure out how to um, get them, you know, the resources they need and how to help them do what they, and she called, she used the term res, res mechanics. You know, that's what we were. We were these mechanics, you know, you know, the ones that they use, whatever part they have available to, you know, fix a car and, uh, and keep all these spare parts around. That's what we were doing in the community economic development. So did I answer the question? Yeah, I love, I love the res mechanics. So I wanted to, yes, so let's build on that, um, Elsie and Lori, and thinking about like women in leadership, right? And so flipping the script, you know, recognizing sort of resources and strengths in our community as we're thinking about Native women and how much, you know, you guys, I'm also hearing that you're lifting Rebecca up, you know, and how she also was one of the pioneers in really moving sort of this work, and you have all have worked with her. Um, what's resonating with you, um, Lori or Elsie, in terms of what um, Sherry's talking about? I'll, I'll follow up on that. Um, yeah, so, you know, Rebecca was important in that and, you know, and she gave me some courage to keep taking next steps. But, you know, when she, when Sherry said res mechanics, I was thinking about, I remember when Sherry first came out 
to Lakota Fund, and we had our board gathered, and um, I was there as office manager, and I believe Gerald Sherman had been hired by then as the executive director. If not, he was the chair of the board or something. Um, and I mean, really, when I say we knew nothing, that's that's the truth. We knew nothing. I mean, here we were going to set up this loan fund to make business loans. Um, but, you know, it was really with the intent of, you know, the tribes and the BIA had always, you know, brought in job creation programs, um, you know, employment programs. But this was really allowing people that first step into having their own business, um, getting a loan. I mean, we had no idea how hard it was going to be. And, you know, Sherry came in and, I mean, we just brainstormed a lot. And we would settle on a strategy and with always the thought was, our goal was to help create a private sector economy at Pine Ridge. Because at the time, all that was, there was a lot of money flowing in or at least some, but it was all the federal jobs. None of it was from self-employment or private businesses. The few, few businesses that were there were owned by non-tribal members. So, you know, we just would strategize and we would, you know, we'll figure out a strategy. What is it going to take to get there? And that was the one thing that, you know, First Nations helped us do. They would help us, which we wouldn't have known about these consultants that, you know, had been involved in community development, maybe in third world countries or elsewhere, um, that, you know, had at least developed some strategies and, you know, had experienced some success or, or not. But, I mean, it, it was all in learning. And, oh, we had so much to learn. And as a woman, I mean, I did not, I don't even know why I thought I could do this job. And I guess what, you know, I did see myself as a toilet cleaner and, you know, just keeping the office set up. But I couldn't help but, you know, when Sherry came and, you know, the other um, and I think of a few other women, um, Laura Hensley, who had so much information and knowledge and sat side by side. We set up the computer system, which, you know, at that time, this is really dating us. Uh, computers were fairly new. <laughs> um, and, you know, to I'd never taken a computer class, uh, you know, and ever taken an accounting class and I, <laughs> I, but I had become a bookkeeper you know in another job it was very um and you know that was just the mechanics we needed how do you do this how do you keep a good set of books how do you do this how do you how do you do that and then you know how do you then later it was really how do you land in this environment and so it, sometimes we'd say no we've got to do it different this isn't going to work. And I think, you know, as women, I think that's something we just figured out from the very beginning. We know just because we have an idea, it may not be the right one. And so you switch course. And 
anyway, Sherry and company provided all that. Love it. Thank you. Lori, any reactions, thoughts based on what you're hearing? Yeah, I think I'll back up just a little bit too, because I remember when I first came on to what was First Nations Financial Project, you know, it was really built around that self-sufficiency model. Um, then I think kind of moved into the, to the, to what we know about in terms of community economic development, you know, today. And, um, you know, I know when joining uh, First Peoples, our first um, Nations financial project, you know, just from my mom having worked for um, the Indian controlled schools and then <clears throat> went on to work for Native American Rights Fund. And, you know, so I kind of was in the peripheral of just, you know, being a really young woman around uh, um, folks. And then what I saw at the time is much of the uh, work out there seemed to be, um, I guess you could say, um, focused on the male leadership, you know, and, um, and I think that's what Sherry's talking about that whole, uh, you know, kind of, um, bureaucracy or, our federal, uh, federal system that, you know, we were working in at a time. And, um, I also know at first, um, my first meeting, you know, at first nations was, um, you know, we still were, you know, Reuben Snake was on the board and John Mohawk and, um, Virgil Kilstrade and, you know, so I, I do remember at, at even our early meetings, you know, <laughs> um, everybody brought those values and, you know, our own really values of what Sherry and um, Elsie are, you know, really building upon what makes us who we are as Native peoples and, you know, extended families and relationships. I think that's what we always you know, carried with us and just, you know, that, that respect and recognition and just, um, you know, at a young age, not really knowing what it was, but just feeling something larger than you and something you're connected to, you know, and <clears throat> just that interconnectedness of um, how we work together in Indian country, which I think is really different from other communities. And, you know, when I mentioned earlier, Vicki, my, you know, trips out to Raymond Navajo, you know, is that being Lakota and growing up on Pine Ridge is, you know, I understood that um, when you entered somebody else's space or home, you know, you walked in a place of just um, really uh, respect. And, you know, so we sat quietly, you know, for hours while we listened to the Navajo language being, you know, translated. Um, so I think we all carried that just wanting to do something different. In Indian country. And I, same with Elsie and Sherry, like, I was like, why did this woman hire me? I don't even know what I'm doing well out here in Washington, D.C. And <laughs> now I'm really a strong believer that, you know, we are so, you know, I say it's like this, um, you know, our relationship with this federal government is, seems to be like this, you know, um, cord all the way out there, you know, um, because of our, our relationship with the federal systems that of which we operate in due to the, you know, Indian Reorganization Act, um, in our case on Pine Ridge, um, that you need to, you need it to learn that, you know, I say today, I don't know anything about policy and, <laughs> you know, um, but I do know how to, um, really step in to those spaces. Like Sherry said, and, you know, Elsie walking into that, um, Vicki being really nervous is that, um, 
for some reason, watching all of those, you know, really that I worked around and with and under and beside is, you know, just how they moved, you know, um, moved and, and held space and walked into space and, you know, and knew when it was time to really just um, speak up and organize, you know, so I think we all have that in us as Native people. So I'll just stop there. Um, and, um, you know, speaking of folks, you know, that really lifted us up or, you know, women is, I would just have to say my grandmother and my mother, because my grandma Sherman was the first Native, one of the first Native teachers on Pine Ridge, you know, she went to school way late in the 60s or something and her and Mrs. Ross and then Mrs. Witt were the, our first teachers we that were of us or, uh, you know, us. So my grandma was just that really quiet kind of leader and, um, you know, just work with the people and just loved children and taught her whole life. And, you know, was an artist and went to the Santa Fe, it wasn't even Santa Fe Indian school. I think it was a Dorothy B. Dunn school back then. Um, you know, so I think about what Elsie said, getting a, you know, going way out there. My grandma somehow went from a boarding school up here in South Dakota to, you know, they read us the later, letter later that this guy wrote and he said, you know, she doesn't listen. She's this like that. And, you know, kind of talking about my grandma, please take her and do something with her. <laughs> here she was an artist. <laughs> so, um, you know, and my mom, just her tenacity to, um, you know, um, step outside an environment that just wasn't healthy for her. And, you know, that we had to live in just the tr- struggles of, you know, um, alcoholism, you know, and just, you know, on a res and what she, we grew up in and how we grew up with a beautiful extended family. And we all had our, you know, our challenges, you know, in life too. So my mom had to get out of that environment. And um, there we were in Los Angeles, you know, California, and then back home to Colorado. And, and cause it was just seemed so Pine Ridge seemed so far from California. <laughs> so we all wanted to go home. So Boulder was close enough, you know, um, so I'll stop there too. Thank you. I'm a, I've already have like a whole page full of like learning moments here for, for women. I actually, I, so thank you, Sherry, for teeing us up. And then, um, Elsie, you had started and, and Lori sort of to actually um, started to weave uh, in that space. And that's sort of the, the word feeling. Elsie, um, when you were, when you started um, your introduction, you really were saying that, you know, you had to feel your way, right? And and what I appreciated about when you were, you know, about your role and about figuring it all out, you're like, well, you know, I had to start with me. I had to, you know, get connected to a higher source, pray for me and my community. And I had to just feel, feel it out, feel my decisions, you know, feel my, my way. And Lori, to some degree, you were also saying that, like, you're saying we had to feel, we were feeling with this, there was something bigger than us, you know, something bigger than just me and, and doing this work. And, you know, as we think about, I feel like women are naturally, um, we, we can do that naturally. We, I you know, for many reasons. Um, so I'd like you all to just kind of expand on that in terms of like how you've cultivated that through the years and, and how you continue to lean on that, um, and, you know, for, and just having for women leaders to be thinking about that, that element that, cause it's not, 
easy to, um, I find that a lot of times we get stuck in our heads and so we battle <laughs> with logic and what we're feeling, right? So whoever would like to respond to that. Actually, I, I, as you were talking, I was just thinking about, you know, and, and looking at, you know, Sherry and Lori and you and, you know, I think the one thing that I'm going to say it led us all, because I think from, you know, knowing them so well, it certainly is true for me. You know, I think the thing is, is that, you know, when we say feel, I mean, we were wanting to be part of something that was really good, really positive, and to learn. I don't think any of us felt like we were about building an empire or, you know, creating something that lifted us up. I mean, if we, and because if we lifted our communities up, learned and walked with them and learned with them, it was going to lift, it was going to lift us all up. And that's really been true. I mean, I had no idea, as I said, what my goal was even in life. I wanted to do something good, you know, when I finally got my feet on the ground and straightened out a little bit. And so then in that process, you know, I met Sherry and, you know, here was this, and we found out we were related too, you know. <laughs> My first cousin was married to her uncle. <laughs> you know, this is things like. My aunt and my godmother. But, but to see this woman that was so smart and so gracious and, you know, didn't, uh, didn't underestimate our ability to learn. And, you know, she didn't even come with all the answers. She came with <laughs> helping to explore answers. And, you know, this incredibly sophisticated, beautiful woman. <laughs> and yet she was just the kindest. And, I mean, really, when you grow up on a reservation, things can be a little rough, you know. I mean, it's, you know, it's a zero-sum game on the reservation to some extent. And so if you get something, I'm going to get nothing. And that just wasn't what I think any of us were about. And it certainly wasn't what I received from Lori and Sherry and you, Vicki. I mean, it's always been about moving forward and understanding and, and trying to make a difference for our community. <laughs> so I, I wanted to, to talk a little bit about that. I, I, I'm blushing if you were to see me. Um, so one of the things, you know, as I get, I, I said, we left the reservation when I was young and I came, I wanted to come back right after college. I graduated from college in 74. And I said, I didn't want to go into teaching. I wanted to go back to South Dakota. So I convinced one of my college roommates to come with me. And, um, and we took, you know, buses, planes, cars, you know, to, uh, to make the trip across country. And the first time I went back to Pine Ridge was with my aunt and my great aunt. And we went down to Pine Ridge and it was this feeling of coming home in essence, you know, seeing the place where you were born. And if people know in 74, it was the time period where um, all of the activism was happening. The takeover of Wounded Knee had been the year before. Um, people were walking around with guns in their boots and, 
firebombs, you know, had, had gone off. And I, I mean, I didn't say to myself, oh, I can come help you. It's like, boy, maybe, maybe, you know, I'm needed, that kind of thing. And so I first tried to get a job back on Pine Ridge teaching and um, couldn't, couldn't get one. And um, so I, that's when I went to work for the American Indian Policy Review Commission. Um, but it was, there was always this draw to, to, there's a draw of place, I think, that even though I was so young when I left, it was a draw of place and people, um, you know, to, to, to be. And it just was this feeling of, of this is something I'm supposed to do. Um, and again, it's one of those things where, you know, Indian Health Service paid for my master's degree and because of, and undergraduate degree, I got scholarships from the tribe. So I always felt it was so important to give back because of that, because I'm who I am today because of what they gave me, you know? And so it's always that reciprocity, I think, in the sense of, of you know, how can we use the gifts that each of us have to help others. And I think that was part of the whole piece of, of working. And it's always been so fulfilling to sit in a room, you know, with people with elders now and elder myself, um, of listening to what folks have to share and what you have to learn from them. It's, and and recognizing on whose shoulders you stand too. Because we Lori mentioned her mom and the Indian controlled school movement and you know, there's just all of these people who came before who have laid the foundation that we were able to, um, you know, work from in many communities. Yeah, Sherry, I remember when we, in um, somewhere in the early 80s, we all ended up, or in the, um, not early 80s, but early 90s, late 80s, we ended, all ended up down um, in, again, Navajo Nation, you know, <laughs> We were we were meant to meet you, Mickey. And we were this uh First Nations financial project and seventh generation fund. I think it you know, we all gathered down there. And for me, I, I really um, you know, had no experience outside of my own community of other tribes and other nations, you know, and um I, I think today young people have access to, you know, all these different um stories and and uh resources and other native folks just through you know technology that we didn't have um so you know i i really feel like you know in terms of thinking about leadership you know it's so important to to know that um you know our struggles are are um um you know interconnected to other tribal peoples and other um others you know and so that it's really important and, um, you know, to get that experience and understanding of other tribal communities. So going out to DC and working with Sherry and folks, and then being able to go into other tribal communities, you know, really helped, um, a, a different kind of immersion, you know, of what is possible. Cause sometimes you can't see what's right in front of you, you know, um, when you're in your own community, like, you know, Elsie was saying, and to be able to experience and see others. And then also, you know, I, I feel like, you know, even at First Nations was really around the tools and resources that were out there and, and relationships, you know, how important it was to look at other community models and other 
um, um, techniques and tools and practices, you know, and I think that's what I learned at um, um, First Nations, you know, that yes, uh, and, and that's the approach we use here is just that, you know, at First Peoples Fund, it's just that model building process, you know, of, and, um, you know, it's not like Sherry says, it's not the same for every community, you know, it's not like it's a cookie cutter approach. We all know that, but, but those, um, understandings, you know, that we, we may have common and shared values, but we all have different tribal experiences too, you know? So, so being able to get that exposure, you know, and experience to that. And I feel like, you know, getting that or in my early career, being able to have these opportunities to be directly in other, other very rural, similar communities, you know, to Pine Ridge, and then having this really national lens, our perspective of what other micro lending things are happening around the world, you know, are happening. I mean, because Pine Ridge was the first, the Lakota funds was the first micro loan fund in this country, you know, and we got to be a part of that movement of that work now there's what 72 lc today and you know there's just so so much has happened and so i always say the work at first people's fund didn't begin with that it began way back you know so i carry all that knowledge and um what we do at first people's funds um you know and um is is um built upon all that knowledge and you know tawny now brunch runs the lakota funds you know younger woman, my cousin, and, you know, worked for a credit union and wall. And so the work continues. First People's Funds, you know, we we, we talked about kind of economic self-sufficiency. You know, we knew there was this huge informal sector, trade economy, res mechanic stuff happening, you know, at at um, First Nations and just really how, how to bring those resources because there's those nine districts. It's just a lot to get around, you know, and but how to you know be able to tap into other resources and and knowledge and sharing those within our own community and so I'm grateful today and what 2000 2021 to see the good work that has happened because now we have the Oglala Lakota Art Space just down the road from the Lakota Funds which is also Lakota Federal Credit Union is housed in there and it's an art studio space for artists. It's a training facility. So that, you know, the work continues, but it's an artist-led, artist-centered, you know, um, space, the Oglala Lakota um, um, project or work we have going on, the building down there now, you know. So that that's as a result of just that one seed that was planted in my early work, but also knowing you have to understand <laughs> policy in order to change the systems. You have to, you know, it's hard work, it's challenging and, but, you know, to, to really disrupt or change or adapt, you know, you have to understand the environment of and how your people's got there, you know. Yeah, that's a really nice um, transition. A couple of things that you all had said, like, you know, activism was happening back in the 70s and you see surge again around now and, um, and just building on what you said, Lori, in terms of, you know, I think you had said at one time, like, there's really no new idea. Like, we, we build on these ideas and from the past um, experiences and knowledge and models and foundations, um, we're building and creating. So I would love to hear from you all about what are you excited about in terms of um, women leadership now and going forward, the, the future generation of women leaders 
what excites you and um, would be one, what excites you? And two, what would you offer in terms of um, reminders of what what they need to be thinking about as they are in these leadership roles and, you know, moving forward in, in whatever work they're doing? Hmm. Tough, tough question. Because um, there are so many, I think, things to, to share from what, what we've learned. Um, I think to... Maybe a couple of things I would look back on to say, what would I do different? You know, and one of them would be to really um, keep an amazing record of what you're doing and what you're learning um, and who you're meeting. Um, and I think that that's important just to, you know, a lot of times you do it in your head, but it's important to recognize the networks that you have and the importance of them. And, um, and I think that that's an important piece to, to look at. And, and what Lori was saying about the, the systems that define us, how do we change those, um, I think is really important. And to be thinking about that type of, type of thing. One, one also lesson that I really feel is important is because I've had the good fortune to work at community level and to work at the national level. And what Lori was saying, not only, you know, all of us met through Pine Ridge, but we've worked in so many other communities as well. And it's important to understand the, the um, it's sort of like you're a citizen of Indian country, um, not just a citizen of your nation, um, of all of Lakota, or a citizen of, of the United States or your state, you're a citizen of Indian country. And I think it behooves all of us to learn about Indian country in essence, because what we do as one tribe could affect another. And I think where we talk about the national policy piece, it's important to look for, you know, some of the policies that broadly affect us and how can we work together as a group to improve the conditions for all. Um, and that's so critical to understand where each of us have come from. And, and just as an example, you know, there's some, um, you know, maybe it's a tribe who gives per capita, you know, and everybody gets used to their per capita type of thing. Where does that come from? On what historical foundation is that based? Some of it might be on um, treaties, you know, might be on claims. So it's what what is important about learning about our our history, our civics, our own, you know, understanding of where we come from. Like, uh, because I didn't grow up on Pine Ridge, it's really important for me to be able to, um, uh, I'm a member of that, I'm a tribal citizen there. What do I need to know to be a, be a good citizen of that nation? And, um, you know, so so those kinds of things that that of just asking themselves. So I don't know. I threw a whole bunch of stuff in there. So, <laughs> all great, all great, Elsie. Yeah, I was thinking about you know, the one thing that I, you know, I've heard people say, oh, I want to be like Elsie Meeks or Lori or Sherry or whatever, but truthfully. You know, what I, I guess I really want and I think is true for all of us is that we kept the mission or the vision in front of us all the time. 
And in fact, when, you know, I ran First Nations Owista Corporation, you know, a couple of the, no, I'll say, you know, one, one of the main executive staff, you know, would worry when another organization was trying to do something like us or, and, you know, they're getting in our space and all that. And I'm just like, no, no, this is about the work. This is about, um, you know, if we have a good product and we're serving people in the right way and a good delivery system, then we don't worry about the rest of it. You really do not, I mean, I, I, I really want to emphasize this. It isn't about us. It is not about us personally. It is about the mission of, of our life, really. And, you know, as, you know, Sherry mentioned, you know, now I've had the opportunity. I've run, a, you know, started out running a grassroots organization, Lakota Funds. And I've been on national foundation boards our regional foundation boards and national foundation boards. I run a statewide, I was a state director for USDA Rural Development, so a government agency on a state basis. And, you know, the one thing I've found is that my, my, my mission in life really has carried over to all of those things. Um, you know, and it's about how you help Indian country and, you know, how you bring resources there and, you know, how you keep thinking about strategies to do that no matter where you are. I mean, because in the end, I'm, I'm also a citizen from this tribe. I live here. But, you know, when you're a citizen of one tribe, you really do think about tribes in general. And it's not all the same answer, but it certainly is. You know, they have some similar issues. So... You know, that's what, you know, when people get in this work, I just pray that they're really not about just building their own career. I mean, yes, that's, that can happen, and it will. But it's about the mission. Mm -hmm. And I guess that's my biggest lesson. You asked um, also what, what excites you about Young, the younger women or the younger leadership. And I think, you know, when we started First People's Fund, we were seeing that um, many of the artists were moving outside of the region, you know, to uh, really make a living from their art. And I, you know, uh, Kathy Whitman, a dear friend of mine, you know, she, I, I love her story because she, um, you know, got in a mail truck because she wanted to be a full-time practicing artist with her five kids and took off down to Santa Fe and, you know, never looked back. And she's, you know, an amazing artist today. And, you know, I just think about those women that um, took that risk, you know, without hesitation, you know, um, and just, I think what Elsie's saying is just really following your, your spirit, your heart, right. Following, following what you believe in and what creator, um, puts in front of you, you know, and to not get off that, um, that track. And, you know, I, I, I tell this story of when I was in Washington, DC and I went into the collection and I was living in a small house behind Sherry. And, um, I went into one of the collections in one of the museums and, um, you know, 
I remember having to come home because I thought I felt like I had I carried something with me of just seeing, you know, so many things that were taken from our communities and, you know, um, just thought I might've carried something with me. Cause then I, I remember I just had this series of just really moving experiences of, um, um, those teachings, like of really guiding me of like, you know, don't, uh, in terms of just almost a clear vision of like, people will come into your life and, um, you know, if you don't pay attention, you won't see them. Right. Um, and so for some reason I can almost count all of those women, you know, um, cause it was a woman who came to me, you know, that, um, grounded me I feel like in I you know so far away from home but yet that experience I had really grounded me back even though I was living in the city you know um are living far away from home and I carried it with me that for forever you know that that you know if I just pay attention because when you move to cities you feel like you might be disconnected from our teachings but you're not you know um, and so I learned that I think pretty early on. And I think, um, what excites me about the young women today is from what I can see around me is, um, you know, when I started with my language is that they're that generation that's going to really bring back that language, you know, cause I look at them and they're all mothers and having children and, you know, their kids are in school and immersion, you know, um, in all these different communities, you know. And, um, and they're just experiencing everything, right. And embracing everything, um, culturally and, um, you know, that we didn't have some of us growing up, you know, we didn't have a lot of that because we were like, in the, we were in the heart center, you know, um, the environment of which we were growing up and what was happening around us. So I, that's what excites me. And I think also what, what I think is important for, um, young women to remember is just really, you know, just stay grounded. And I think what Elsie's saying about mission is just that steadfast and why you do what you do and, um, and don't, you know, really has hesitate, but just always, always, uh, you know, I don't know who it was, but maybe it was Eloise, you know, told me that, um, when, you said uh, Vicky said she was nervous at the Federal Reserve you know um that you know if you feel like you're alone because you're so far from home and so far from family and folks you know that you, it, you get afraid but you know um what I understood from I'm sure it was El uh, Eloise um telling me that story about her brother um, and then going up, you know, and um, filing the largest lawsuit in this country, right? She was saying that you're not standing alone, you know, that all of your relatives and family are are always standing beside you. So I was at another conference in uh, Denver and a young woman came up to me and was telling me that. And I just retold that story because I said, you know, when you start to feel that fear, just take that deep breath and recognize that there's so many that are holding you up there, you know? And so you're not, you know, you're not, you're not alone. Um, so I think that's one, one um, thing I would say. And just that, you know, these young language speakers, you know, my teacher's 24 years old and she's fluent in the language, right? My grandma was fluent. My mother wasn't, and I wasn't, you know, so it's, that's just what's so 
you know, uplifting to see that, you know, and just being connected to the land, looking at Elsie's background picture here, <laughs> grandchild, or is that her on horseback there, you know, um, just being able to be connected to the land, right? That is just so awesome. And I'm home on our homelands that we got uprooted and moved and, you know, the, to the um, treaties, right? And all this land taken, I, I just feel gifted, you know, and um, honored and just, uh, you know, grateful every day to wake up and be able to look and see Chisapa behind me and around me. And, you know, so most of us don't do, can't do that today, right? Thank you. So beautiful. I tell you, I feel like we're just getting started and I, and I definitely want to honor your time. Um, I, I did, I have so much to harvest on, on this conversation, but um, I'll say that I asked a couple of women some questions. I'm only going to ask one of them. Um, and so the question from another native woman leader, they would like to know from you all is um, how, how, how would you suggest or what suggestions would you offer that um, can help maintain a healthy work life balance while leading and living a full life? Good question. <laughs> Excellent question. You know, I mean, it's, I, I'm not going to lie. It, it was a struggle to, I mean, I would travel 30 miles to Kyle eight miles dirt road and you know had kids and you know and come home and I mean it was very well it was then very traditional that I did the cooking and all that you know and um and I, I want to start out by saying one thing about I'm excited about I'm so ecstatic that there are young people that are coming up to take our place you know, I mean, I, that just thrills me when I see these young, smart girls just, you know, understanding things that I didn't know and taking up the mantle. I, that just thrills me. Um, but, you know, it is so important. And I think so many of us are so driven that we think that we're not doing a job unless we're doing it 14 hours a day. And you know what? That is that is not true. I honestly believe you can get as much done in eight hours as you can if, you know, if you really do things, if you do your time. I'm not saying I always did. The one thing I did when I led an organization that I think is important, if it didn't interfere with the work, and especially if they were nursing, they could bring their children to work. I was very liberal about you know, understanding how hard it was for women to have kids, that they needed to take time. And so, you know, I'm hoping everybody we're talking to will end up running and, you know, being in the leadership position and really helping to understand that children are a part of us. Our families are a part of us. It's not something set off there. I mean, if we really do think about things holistically, they're a part of us. And our work should be a part of us. Every, you know, and why they can't kind of intertwine it, it, to me is a model that I don't understand. I mean, sure, sometimes kids get in the road and you, you know, got to concentrate. But, you know, to the extent that you can help others stay balanced too, 
as well as balancing yourself, I think is, you know, something we should strive for. I guess I would um, respond to that is um, I see the young women just doing that, right? You know, trying to uh, make sure that they're setting their boundaries of um, that we didn't set, you know, um, and that they are, you know, committing to family and home and community and, you know, and looking at other ways that, like I said earlier, is this reconnecting with the land. You know, I know when I first moved home, I immediately took the organic gardening class at Oglala Lakota College and, you know, jumped into learning the language while my grandma was still alive. And, you know, just, um, and I see the young women, you know, being able to do that with family and community and building, you know, their own nonprofits. You know, and I know that when I did the work with Indigenous Women's Network, that's what we saw is like the women that were leading the nonprofit sector uh, or the um, leadership was women, you know. Um, And so we started working and sending young women to communities, you know. Um, And we sent Crystal, Echo Hawk was one of our emerging leaders. We sent her to work. With uh, at the down at the Lakota funds, you know, to get that experience and then see her today and you know all the good work you know that um, she's doing through you know Illuminative, and then you know for me I think um, I did the same as Elsie, <laughs> travel, 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 but you know I always had a garden at home, a huge garden, you know, and I just remembered in being in the dirt, you know, with my daughter at, you know, young age. And, and now I'm doing that with my granddaughter, you know, um, and just letting her, it's okay. Dig your hands in the dirt. It's all right. You know, like we just grew up on my grandpa's ranch and stuff, just eating everything and picking up everything. Like she needs all that, right. <laughs> Iron. So, you know, I think that, that it's, it's hard, you know, cause, um, I feel like, you know, running a nonprofit, man, I just think always every day about, you know, I have to keep raising money to keep this organization going to think about the staff to make sure that, you know, they're able to, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a huge responsibility. So I think this, this, uh, these kind of cooperatives or collectives that are happening now, you know, um, it'd be interesting to see how some of those grow and build in community, you know, cause I see, you know, a variety of different things happening within one collective or co-op and, you know, cooperative, not in the, uh, old sense of the word are the 990 sense of the word, I guess. Um, but, you know, seeing that happen. So I just, I just, you know, I think it's just so important to stay, stay grounded. Um, cause it is easy to get on that fast track of like, you know, um, wanting to make sure that our communities continue to get the resources and, you know, um, to do the good work. Right. So I don't have any pearls of wisdom other than what, other than what these two have said, I, I, um, traveled pretty much nonstop work 14 to 16 hour days for, you know, 30, 40 years. So it really, I, 
I may not, I think what is important that people do set their boundaries, um, kinds of, kinds of things. So, uh, that is really important. I think it, it, I had a very supportive husband and, um, one that helped me be able to do the kinds of things that, um, I've been able to do. Uh, I have to tell you that in this last year with no travel, I've loved it. <laughs> it's important to, to actually get seven or eight hours of sleep a night. You know, I don't think I ever had that. So it's, it really does work wonders. And, uh, and to not be traveling, I think, is has been a good, um, good thing for me. So, uh, but we all know things will pick back up again. And, but everything in moderation. As now that I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm semi-retired, just serving on boards. So everything in moderation. <laughs> yes. Thank you so much. Um, I'm not looking forward to it, be honest. <laughs> Like you, I love being home. I didn't never realize how much I missed home, you know. So I'm curious. I'm going to ask one one more question, and then we're going to wrap up. Um, so what's next, ladies? You all have been doing this work for a while, and, and, and I'm curious to know what you're hoping for for yourself going forward and um, maybe a whole new line of work or a different kind of work. I'm just curious about the next chapter. What does the next chapter look like? What have you been thinking about and how that may look? So I think I'm in my next chapter. Okay. Um, <laughs> so in the sense I'm not, you know, I, I serve on four boards. Um, I probably work three to four to five hours a day um, on board stuff. Um, and I do serve on one of the boards, um, separate from the board position, I serve as a consultant. So I'm still doing work. So I'm still, um, and, and I love this. I love the fact that I can set my own hours and still be engaged and still feel like, you know, you're making a difference um, in Native communities um, by, you know, um, serving in a board role um, and to, you know, really, um, yeah, just continuing. Uh, one of the things I just want to continue to be able to do is to share, perhaps from my experience. And it's interesting. I think it's important. Some of the board positions, like Elsie was talking about, Lori, some of the national positions we've all done. Um, I feel, again, it's important to uh, share that experience with other organizations, other people, because we always have to to share what we know with others about Native peoples and to, you know, continue um, doing that. So I, that's my, that's the chapter I'm in now is sort of continuing to, um, to share lessons to help organizations move forward however I can. And when I feel like that, I can't do that anymore, then I, then I will fully retire. <laughs> I'm working on my, um, I guess it'd be that fourth stage of life, right? In terms of where, how I transition into that and, you know, Sherry's on the board and uh, First People's Fund. And I just, you know, have an amazing, wonderful board of directors from all over Indian country and, um, and um, you know, that are uh, really, really committed 
to this good work. And then, you know, we're talking, you know, we're working on um, succession planning now, you know? Um, And so I don't even know what that means in terms of what the future is for me, but I just know it's, it's that time, right. You can feel it, you know, time to, 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 to step out, you know, and, and um, bring other leadership into the, the to the good work and um so yeah i'm going to be calling on sherry and elsie and saying how does that work (laughs) in my next decade of life what am i supposed to be doing here Uh, (laughs) but you know i think also with um this time we're into and being home you know i think that's been a huge you know a huge transition for all of us and it, it requires a whole different kind of management we're all sitting in our living our bedrooms with our desk in our bedroom right that was my first job i had my rolled out of bed and at rebecca's house and my thinking desk was right there at my knees i'm right there again full circle what's up with that yeah i mean i i guess i'm a little like sherry i feel like i'm probably in this next chapter although you never know you know what I I mean you know somebody started off by saying I was a cowgirl and you know of course I'm a ranch we live on a ranch which I have not I mean I traveled so much worked so much that you know while I've been essentially the CFO of it (laughs) of the ranch but haven't I mean and helped a lot but now I'm really a part of it and I'm kind of low man on totem pole. I whatever <laughs> whatever the boss says, I do. And if we have to ride that day, we do. But you know, I also am on a number of boards that take up a lot of time. And uh, and for that, I'm very grateful that I can still be connected. I'm still on Lakota Funds board, and you know that keeps me really understanding the work at the you know grassroots level and. Um, and then what's going on nationally too. So, you know, I don't, I can ever give up, you know, my mission, you know, completely. But I mean, you know, I'm getting old. So, <laughs> so at some point I'll have to, you know, I'll stay home. But I have loved being home, loved it. I don't, do not want to start traveling again, but I know we will have to at some point. So. And thank you, Vicki. Thank you for, you know, if I think about somebody that's traveled and worked, you have, and you have done always an exemplary job for so many of us. I mean, you have held our feet to the fire many times. <laughs> Lori's I laughing. am so grateful for that. I mean, absolutely. I mean, mm. thank, thank you. you. I love, I love working with you. <laughs> I love working with all of you. And I know it's not the last. I know that we're going to continue. Yeah. Yeah. I I appreciate, I mean, there's so much, ladies, that you've just noted about, like, you know, from the beginning of your intro to now about, like, well, you know what? I I didn't know what I was doing, but you just jumped in, right? Jumped in and you're telling women, yeah, we don't, we're figuring it out together, you know? And this is the beautiful thing about having a collective is to brainstorm and, you know, step outside, you know, step outside of your comfort zone. And as you all heard, uh, folks, you know, a couple couple of times has brought, like, I was nervous. I, I remember it was the first time I was actually moderating a panel at the Federal Reserve Bank. And 
I think it was that, but I know Elsie and I were in the bathroom. <laughs> she basically was like, get it together. <laughs> Put on your cowgirl boots on. You can do it. And I was like standing there looking in the mirror, taking deep breaths. So yes, there are those moments. Um, and, you know, you all had said, ask for help, you know, flip the narrative. You know, what is what is this new narrative? And, you know, to also don't underestimate ourselves you know, is what you all had mentioned. Stay focused on the mission and the vision. You know, what's the bigger picture beyond, it's not about us, it's about who and who we're serving. And also to get some context, like level setting, like what's the history, you know, how did things come to this place? Really understanding that to um, help movement to move forward, to build on what we know has already been laid from previous people and not, um, not to forget to lift those individuals are the other women who have done this work. There's so many women who have not been recognized, who don't know. They're kind of the quiet leaders um, to, to not forget about that and to stay grounded, be mindful about boundaries and all levels. Right. But I also heard this um, throughout the conversation of the sprinkleness of playfulness, you know, get in the dirt to, you know, get on the horse, get on outside, you know, um, and really to give back you know, you all are saying give back in different ways, sharing, volunteering, whatever contribution, you know, I feel like this love project that I'm doing is sort of my contribution back. It's like, I want to capture the wisdom, the stories and share that with others. Um, and so just a, a different platform to, to do that, you know, sharing. So I, you know, I'm just in awe that I know you all and there are no mistakes, divine, divine timing in, in how we all met one another, how we will continue to do this work. And all I can say is and which is thank you and I love you. And one final, final word, anything that you wanted to say just to close out to our listeners, um, whoever would like to go first, and then we'll just say Hagonet for now afterwards. Final words, anything that you want to say to our listeners? Here's one. As, as women, n- never let ourselves, yourself, not feel like we can be heard in a room of men or women for that matter, but in a room of men because, you know, the European culture has taken over has really taken over and and not just European culture, but you know, that women are not as smart, you know, should not be heard. And we have many answers and we have, so, I mean, we don't have to be the only voice in the room by any means, but to never think you aren't a good voice in the room. Absolutely, I would. I would definitely um, say ditto um, for that. And I, uh, I actually realized um, when this was. I think we shared it when we were getting prepared for this. That I've actually only ever worked for women in my career, <laughs> and so um, um, that speaks volumes. You know that that I didn't really ever think about that. But I would just really. Um, affirm what what Elsie was saying that you know you have 
I don't know that I ever not spoke it up when I really felt it was important to do it, regardless of who was in the room. So I think that that is, is very, very important. And then, Vicki, I just wanted to say we should do another one of these where we tell um, some of the funny stories over the time I've been sitting here yes. thinking of them. <laughs> yes, we will. <laughs> I would love that. <laughs> and it also occurred to me, not for this, but we should, you know, I know you're helping with Lori with her succession planning, et cetera, but wouldn't it be cool if we all got together and really tried to kind of figure this out as a group? I mean, for each individually, but to draw on each other's wisdom and, you know, our thoughts and try to capture that. I'd pay to do that. <laughs> <laughs> that would be, that would be good. Y'all are onto something. <laughs> Lori. Final words, you said? Final words to our listeners, yes. Um, just always bring others with you. And Vicki, I just want to say, um, you know, thank you from the bottom of my heart. And I just, I'm learning so much, um, from you on this journey, on your journey right now. And just, um, you know, uh, in, in, in our struggles together and in the work we do and, and just really staying grounded in, in spirit, right. You know, keeping your feet on the ground and praying and being grateful. So I just, I, I, I'm, um, thank you for giving me those gifts you share, um, you know, with all of us. So thank you. Thank you. I hear hat ladies. I mean it from the bottom of my heart. I look forward to our next connection and I would be more than happy to do a part two and we can think about that. You all can, you all can talk about what will part two be like and then like we're ready for part two. All right, let's make it happen. <laughs> so thank you again. Have a wonderful day. Be blessed. Be well until we see each other again. <laughs>